Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Our text for today comes from Jude 17 through 21, and I am not reading five full uh, chapters of the Bible, but five verses. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, Today, I want to talk about how the book of Jude instructs us to resist division, how it instructs us to resist division. I think Jude gives us a little bit of a roadmap to resist the inherent divisions that are always cropping up in our lives and in our community and in our relationships and in our nation. I think Jude has some helpful words to that extent. Now, uh, when I say the word division and learning to heal divisions in our lives, most of us have a, probably a default idea that kind of pops into our brains when I'm talking about that, right? For some of us, due in part probably to many of the things that have happened uh, this month in our nation, you think politics, right? You think the current divisions that exist in American civil society, and you would be right to think about that with the riots at the Capitol and everything that has been going on with fiery political rhetoric and arguments that I'm sure you've had with your coworkers or friends or neighbors around the issue of politics in the last number of weeks. But for others of us, the division that comes to our mind isn't a political one. It might be a relational one, some type of relational division that we've experienced in our lives. You have a broken relationship in your life. Have any of you ever had a broken relationship in your life? Just me. Okay, this is good. With a friend or a sibling or a parent or a coworker. Uh, these uh, These are the types of divisions that break our heart, aren't they? that really set us back. Uh, For some of us, the division that we might be thinking about is a division within our own heart, within our own minds even. Uh, We talk about this one less, but I think it's almost more common than any of them. There is, I think we all know, a gap between who we are and who we want to be, isn't there? Maybe you have a bad habit or a destructive pattern in your life that, you, that keeps rearing its ugly head over and over and over again. You want to be different, right? You want to stop drinking, or you want to stop getting mad at your kids, or you want to work out more, or you want to save more money, or you want to stop being so insecure in public settings. But you can't, right? You can't seem to close the gap between who you are and who you want to be. You see, divisions exist in all of these different facets of our lives, don't they? And in our teaching text for today, Jude addresses this issue of division. And what, what he, specifically, he's addressing a division that he sees in the church that he's writing to. But the advice that he gives, I think, has, a, it has the potential to maybe help us heal some of the divisions we experience in our own lives. At least I think. So you can be the judge of it, but I think it's true. 
And while I think the division that Jude wants healed in his context is very specific, it is specific to a certain circumstance, the remedy that he supplies for the division that he sees within the church, I think we can experience in our our own lives as a kind of roadmap. You know, Jude does not give a magic formula here for taking care of all of the divisions that you experience in your life. The Bible doesn't work like that. Just in case you were wondering, there are no magic formulas in the Bible. There's no incantation that's going to solve all of our problems as much as some of us wish that there was. But he does give a kind of encouragement and a roadmap to begin to heal the divisions in our lives. Helpful steps, things to remember, things to do that if put into practice in our lives, function as a kind of healing to the ailment of division that we all experience. Now, when the Bible talks about division in our lives, when, it, when, it, when the Bible speaks of division, I think it talks about three primary divisions that we all experience. Uh, and the gospel, or the good news of Jesus, is a solution in the Bible, at least in the New Testament, to all of those divisions. And I just want to walk through those divisions briefly with you this morning, because unless we know what we are trying to be healed from, it's hard to know what to apply Jude's words to. So, I'm just going to run through the Bible real quick and outline the problem with you. So, the first division that I think the Bible talks about explicitly is the division between humanity and God. There's a division between humanity and God in the Bible. The story of Scripture tells us that human beings are kind of born into a state of distance or division from their Creator. This is made most clear in the story of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. Uh, The humans were created to experience kind of perfect union with God, closeness of relationship, intimacy with their Creator. But due to the plight of sin and the fall, that union was broken. And the rest of the Bible is the story of God, uh, because he loves us, trying to reach out and heal the divide that exists between himself and humanity. The gospel tells us that Jesus came to heal that divide. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 2. He says this, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, the gospel tells us quite clearly that Jesus is the one who inhe- that heals the inherent division that exists between the human heart and our Creator. And even if we don't know it, even if we're not aware of it, there's a deep desire, a longing in our heart to heal that divide, to be brought near to God. And so, we're called in the scriptures to turn away from our sin and to turn towards him in repentance and love. Now, this is where a lot of sermons end, all right? It's the turn, turn away from your sin and turn towards God in repentance and love. I'm not even a quarter of the way through this message, so buckle up. Uh, but, just so you know, that's the, that's the heart of the good news of Jesus and the invitation that's held out for all of us today and every day and every minute that you've ever lived. All right? It's good news. Now, the second division uh, that we read about in Scripture very often is the division of the human heart, the division that exists within the human heart. We've talked about this already. Very often, 
you'll hear this talked about in Scripture as a kind of double mind, the inability to control every facet of your life. Are any of you control freaks and wish you could control every facet of your life? If you don't want to control every facet of your life, you definitely want to control every facet of everyone else's life, right? That's the, that's the point of being a control freak. The idea here is that while Christ has done the work of drawing us near to God through his death and resurrection, we still live in a fallen world, don't we? We know this. And that, and that because we live in a fallen world, we are always going to be dealing with divisions of our own heart and our own mind. There are always going to be difficulties. But God's desire for each of us is that we would be a kind of unified whole. We would step up is progressively in our lives into wholeness and holiness. But God's, uh, but people are by nature kind of duplicitous, aren't we? We're divided against ourselves. We're not unified. The psalmist in Psalm 86 puts this idea into poetry when he says in Psalm 86, 11, teach me your ways, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart, like put the pieces back together. I'm this divided self. I don't always do what I want to do, but would you kind of knit me back together? Would you, would you shrink the divide in my life between who you want me to be and who I am? This is the divide that the psalmist is talking about. This is the same divide that the great hymn writer uh, Robert Robertson says in Come, the, uh, Come Thou Found, where he says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, Right? this nature in the human heart. We live with divided hearts. We live, we live with desires that we would prefer to get rid of. We live in ways that we know are unfruitful and unhelpful, but very often we don't possess the power within ourselves to change those things, do we? To heal those divisions in our hearts. You know, I love uh, recovery movements like AA, where the first step for anybody stepping into that program who wants to get sober is to admit their powerlessness over some controlling substance and to say that their life has become unmanageable because of it. It's this admission of the existence of a divided heart, isn't it? But here's the truth. I don't think it's only people who struggle with addiction who need to admit this reality, that we have a kind of divided heart. We all have a divided heart. Every one of us has some aspect of division in our own lives that we are powerless to change on our own. And we need to confess that and take steps away from it in Jesus' name. You see, if you can think, uh, and here's the thing this morning, if you can't think of what that thing is in your life, it's pride and it's a problem. And so you should probably turn away from it. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus provides this remedy for the division of our heart. And we'll, read a little, we'll learn about that a little bit as we go today. But um, as we all look at ourselves, honestly, we, f we feel the ways in which we are kind of rended apart on the inside. And God wants to heal that division, or at least shrink the gap, right, through the work of Jesus. So that's the second division that I think the Bible talks about very clearly. The third division that the Bible speaks of is the division that exists between peoples or individuals. Jude talks specifically about this. This is the issue that Jude is talking to his church about. This is what he says in uh, the second half of verse 18 and verse 19 of our teaching text for today. He says, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. 
These are the people who divide you, he says, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. So what Jude is encountering in his church in this context is a group of teachers within the church, false teachers, have come into the community and they begin to divide the audience. They begin to teach in ways that divide people and is actually pitting people against one another, against one another in anger. You see, one of the signs that something that is happening that is contrary to the spirit and teaching of Jesus is when strict divisions begin to emerge, right? Now, this is not about disagreement, and I want to make that real clear. None of us will ever agree on everything. You will not agree with me on everything, though you should. Uh, <laughs> though that would be wise, but I know it's not going to happen. Uh, but, but I believe that, that, that we won't agree on everything, right? We won't. But that doesn't mean that we have to allow division to creep in. The division that Jude is talking about uh, has led people within the church to separate from one another. And it's, ca it's caused a kind of fractious community in the church. And they're experiencing a kind of argumentative, easily angered culture. Sound familiar to anybody? Right? When people begin to deal with each other like this, they... They, they deal with each other without, Jude says, the prevailing spirit of the love of God. Have you ever been in a room where people were arguing with each other? There was like, there was real anger. There was real division. And you were like, that doesn't feel like God at all. At least it doesn't feel like what God's supposed to feel like at the very least. Stephen B. Clark is a writer on Christian community, and he says this, members of a Christian community could choose to approach discussion and disagreement in a spirit of conflict or in a spirit of meekness. When a spirit of conflict prevails, disunity results and love ebbs away. When a spirit of meekness prevails, unity grows and love, love thrives. Christians cannot approach disagreement in a spirit that comes from the world, the flesh, and Satan, and still expect to be a body of people who love one another, right? You see, Jude says that one of the hallmarks of these types of people, these fractious people, these people who bring division, is that they are devoid of the Holy Spirit, which is interesting, right? Uh, you know, we can know that there is a division between people that God wants to heal when the spirit of meekness and love in our discussion and disagreement have been replaced with disunity, conflict, and anger. When, when that has been replaced with the spirit of love and meekness, we can know at the very least that we're on the wrong road, can't we? But so often we don't see it. We get so angry and we get so self-righteous and we get so focused on what we think is the right thing to do that we kind of like put the Holy Spirit in the back, back seat and like close the window or something, right? We put him out in the shed in the backyard and we get on being right about what we want to be right about. And we forget, we forget, don't we, that in order to heal the divisions that exist within our own lives, Within, within our hearts, between us and God, between uh, ourselves and other people. We can't shut out the meekness and love of God. We can never bracket it off and forget about it. No matter how wrong you think somebody else is, we have to, we have to 
embrace the love and nature of God. And it seems to be that Jude is saying that to embrace that posture is to embrace the presence of God's loving spirit in the midst of whatever disagreements we're having. Because remember, you'll never be without disagreements. You see, truth matters, and difference of opinion and conflict are inevitable in our world. But the manner with which people approach conflict is very often the sign of the Holy Spirit in the situation. And so I just want to give you a quick warning this morning, a pastoral warning. If you find yourself caught in a conflict or in a discussion that does not look like Jesus, doesn't deal with Jesus, doesn't deal with conflict the way Jesus dealt with it, if you find yourself caught in a conflict that demonizes other people or is more concerned with defeating someone than loving them, chances are you are in the midst of a disagreement that is sorely lacking the Holy Spirit. All right? And it would be wise to either take a step away from that conversation, which is usually the first wise step, or to try to change the temperature in the room and to inject by your presence the love of God. So, there is a kind of division that Jude tells us that is in need of healing in his church. But then he goes on to talk about how we do that business of healing those divisions. How do we actually do it? And we read it in verse 20. Here's what he says. How do we heal the divisions we experience in our life? But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and by praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So that's the three points this morning, and we're just going to follow the text as closely as we can. How do we resist or heal the divisions that exist in our lives? First, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We pray in the Holy Spirit, and we keep ourselves in God's love. That's how we do it. So briefly, I want to talk through these points this morning, and we're we're, we're running long, so I'll make it brief. But first, build yourself up in your most holy faith. That sounds easy, right? Just build yourself up in your faith. Uh, just do it, right? But how, how do we do it? I don't think Jude is saying just simply sit in a room by yourself and try to believe more, right? This is not what he's talking about. He's not telling his audience, uh, he's not like a, a personal trainer who's, who's working with somebody who's trying to get fit and says, just go out and run 10 miles, you'll be fine, right? This isn't, this isn't what he's doing. Faith in Jesus is something that must be cultivated and tended to. It must be cultivated and tended to. You never plant a vegetable garden in April and then not touch it until August and think that it's going to be fruitful when you get there, right? If you just throw some tomato seeds in the ground and then do nothing for five months and you get there in August and there's no tomatoes, you shouldn't be mad. You didn't do the things necessary to get the good fruit, right? Tomato is a fruit, FYI. You learned that in second grade, but I'm just going (laughs) to refresh your memory. And in the same way, your faith and my faith is something that must be weeded, watered, and fed, right? We can't simply ignore our faith and assume that everything is going to go according to plan, all right? It's just not the way the world works. It's, It's called entropy, right? These things have a way of falling apart in our lives. And the best way I know to talk about how we build ourselves up in faith is to practice spiritual disciplines. 
to practice spiritual disciplines. Now, that is a very fun word, isn't it? Spiritual disciplines. Everybody is getting in line to practice spiritual disciplines, but spiritual disciplines are important. That's my son. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, We hear a lot about the spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible reading, don't we? But uh, and I think those are incredibly important, but they're the ones we hear, they are the ones we hear about most often, and we're going to talk specifically about prayer in line with the book on prayer that we're going to be reading uh, in a couple of weeks in the month of February. We're also going to do a sermon series on prayer beginning the last Sunday in January, um, and, and so just pay attention to that. I hope it's, it's I think it's going to be really good, but there are more spiritual rhythms that are vital to our lives than just Bible reading and prayer. Uh, I just put a list together this morning briefly. So the first is serving, right? Serving is a spiritual discipline. Serving at church and serving people outside of the church is a spiritual discipline that builds us up in our faith. Giving, both giving to the church and giving to those who are in need. Giving to the poor is a spiritual discipline we learn about in the scriptures. Receiving communion is a spiritual discipline that builds us up in our faith. Confessing our sins, that's a fun one, right? Confessing our sins one to another is a spiritual practice that actually builds our faith. Here's here's a great one that we don't talk about very often. Actively loving our enemies is a spiritual discipline that builds our faith. If you don't love your enemies as a spiritual discipline, because you know that Jesus wants you to do it, you'll never actually naturally come to the place where you love even your friends, all right? Attending church. Congratulations, all of you online and all of you here today. You are doing this spiritual discipline, and it's a necessary one. Here's another one. Building healthy relationships with other followers of Jesus. It's it's mandatory that we be in loving relationship with other people who follow Jesus if we want to tend to the work of God that is occurring in our lives. The, uh, two more, right? Practicing simplicity in our lives. Cutting out all of the extra stuff that we don't need, right? Uh, living on less than we think w- that we need, or at least less than the culture tells us we need, is a spiritual practice that builds us up in our faith. And finally, Sabbath-keeping keeping the Sabbath. Again, congratulations, you're doing a great job. But taking prolonged periods of rest and time to focus is a spiritual discipline that builds us up in our faith. It's important, isn't it? If we're going to do the work of unifying our hearts under the, under the leadership of Jesus, if we're going to build ourselves up in our faith, we have to take practical steps and do spiritual disciplines. Another way of putting that that's a little bit more uh, palatable is to say to incorporate into our lives natural rhythms of the Spirit that build us up in our faith. So that's number one. That's the first thing that Jude says. The second thing that Jude says is pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, our church is a charismatic Pentecostal church. This is the tradition we are in. And in charismatic Pentecostal churches uh, who believe in things like spiritual gifts and tongues, we read this and our minds immediately go to praying in tongues. Now, we believe in that spiritual gift of tongues. uh, And uh, we believe that it's operative in the church today. Uh, Full disclosure, just full disclosure this morning, I am a tongue talker, as it were, whatever you think that is. And praying in tongues is a regular part of my spiritual life, and I think it's a healthy part of everyone's regular spiritual life. Uh, If that's something you're not familiar with this morning, uh, or that even me mentioning it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, that's fine. 
Everybody moves through that phase. Uh, but I just encourage you, uh, I would love to talk to you more about that, all right? So while I do believe that praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues is part of what Jude uh, is, is saying here, I don't think that's the entirety of what he's saying either. In the New Testament, we learn that God's Spirit or His presence lives within us, and it empowers or motivates us towards God and in prayer. So if you are a follower of Jesus in this place, you have the Holy Spirit. That's good, right? And the same Spirit, that same Spirit wants to help you to pray. It wants to draw your heart close to God. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit is like this animating force in us that helps us to pray when we don't know what to say or do, right? And so I think the power of the Spirit uh, and the efficacy of the Spirit in our lives is to empower us, to draw us towards this place of prayer, to draw us towards God in prayer. If you feel a, 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 a compunction in your life to pray, that's the Holy Spirit, and you should listen to it. And by so doing, you get in line with the work of the Spirit in the world and in your life. And if you're working in line with the Spirit, what begins to happen in your own life and in the lives of other people? Well, the divisions begin to come closer together, don't they? So that's two, praying the Holy Spirit. But we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks as we talk about prayer. But the third thing this morning that, that Jude says to the church is to keep yourself in God's love. And I want to just kind of land the plane here this morning. Keep yourself in God's love. What does that mean? Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day, so uh, most of the kids are off school, and I would encourage you to hop online. Stanford University has a database that's online that's full of uh, a bunch of MLK resources, a bunch of his old uh, sermons and lectures and talks, uh, some of his papers, a lot of cool stuff. You can read or listen to uh, just about anything. Yesterday, I was sitting in my office, and I started reading a sermon that MLK gave in Albany, Georgia, in I think 1965. And, that, and in that sermon, he lays out this beautiful biblical message, but he's encouraging his congregation to go in this sermon on a march in the next couple of days for justice and equality in the, in the city center of Albany, Georgia. And one of the things that he says to this group of people is about keeping themselves in the love of God as they do it, as they do this work of marching. Even as they are marching to shine a light on an inequity and in the unfair treatment of black people, he says that the goal of the march is not division, but is actually love. Because he firmly believed that equality in society doesn't result in division, but union and the flourishing of all people, no matter what your skin color is. And he concludes the sermon with just this line, and it stood out to me. He says, if we can get this over, we can just get on out and pick up the ammunition of love and just surrender ourselves to kindness and pray and to put on the whole armor of God and march. It's pretty good, right? You see, we see so much conflict in our lives and in our world, so many divisions. Even the conflict that divides us internally even the, even the conflict that we see in our nation right now that is dividing us in explicit ways along political lines. But the antidote to our division 
according to Jude, and I think Dr. King would agree with this, is to remain in the love of God. To pick up the ammunition of love, in King's words. King was famous also for saying, let no man pull you so low as to hate him, which I think is really quite good. And the way we do that is by remaining, resting in the love of God. You know what the first thing I think when I see anyone hating an enemy is? Hating someone? Using divisive language, demonizing someone? The first thing I think in that situation is they don't know what the love of God feels like, right? You know what the... They don't know what it's like to experience the love of God. Because if you know the love of God, if you've experienced it for yourself, if you felt it, you can't help but move towards other people in love. It's just not possible. It's just not possible to hate your neighbor. Now, sometimes the love of God looks different, doesn't it? Sometimes it looks like King leading a march for equality to the center of Albany, Georgia. Sometimes it does look like protest. Sometimes it looks like drawing boundaries around your life to protect yourself and to protect other people. But it, here's what it never looks like. It never looks like hate. It never looks like violence. It never looks like pitting one group of people against another group of people and saying they're the bad guys and they're the good guys and everything's always black and white. It's never about demonization. And the way we resist this enemy-making spirit, this spirit that is devoid of the Holy Spirit, Jude says, is by remaining in the love of God, remaining vitally connected to the love of God for us in the person of Jesus. This is what it means to close divisions in our lives, to remain in the love of God, to be vitally connected to that love in such a way as that we move out into our world as missionaries of that love as ambassadors of it, seeking to heal divisions rather than making them. Our world is in desperate need of a church that has practiced the art of remaining in God's love that we might bring that love to other people. We need to master that art as the people of God. And some of us need to repent, right, also, of our enemy-making tendencies and come to the feet of the Lord in repentance and to get filled up on the love of God. That's the solution, one of the solutions that Jude makes plain to us. And I think it's the most powerful one, not the most powerful one, they're all great, but it's where I'm finishing, so it's the most important point in this message. To to get intimately connected with the love of God in such a way is that it, do, it doesn't allow you to make enemies out of people, but rather moves out into the world as a loving person. You see, this mentality doesn't make any sense from a worldly perspective, right? Somebody hits you on the right cheek, you hit them on the left. Somebody takes something from you, you take it back. This is the natural order of our day, right? That's the thing that makes sense. But to move out into the world with love even if it means stuff that's not great for you, that doesn't make any sense. But it is the power 
according to Jesus and according to Jude and, and according to the whole corpus of Scripture that changes the world. That's the good, that's the good news, isn't it? And to find ourselves in Christ, to be people who remain in God's love and then move out into the world as emissaries, as missionaries of that love, is the whole point of this deal. To see other people reconciled to that love through the person of Christ. That's the point. That's the deal. And if we are to be division-healing people, we have to get this down into our hearts. And we have to turn away from the predominant culture in our world that doesn't do things that way. Because I don't know about you, but it, doesn't sure, it sure doesn't seem like the predominant culture wants us to function like that. Correct? Correct. So would you stand with me this morning as we pray to that end? I just want to pray this morning that God would make us people who would dwell in His love, who would pray in the Holy Spirit, who would be people who are vitally connected to Jesus and that we would be division healers rather than division makers. That's how I want to conclude this morning. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. And we know that we live in a fractious world. We, we know we live in a world that is fully divided, that is difficult, that is painful, that is full of people who just are hurting and broken and want other people to be hurting and broken too. And we pray, God, that you would help us to not be like that that you would help us to maintain our vital connection to Jesus, that you would help us to build ourselves up in our faith in such a way as that the division that exists in our own heart and between ourselves and you would go away so that we could move out into the world as agents of your healing and of your love in the world. God, bring us close to your heart this morning that we may know your love and then from that place of knowing can we share that love with others. God, we love you, and we pray that you would help us to love you more. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen, and amen, and amen. Well, thanks for being here today. It was a good day. Uh, if you brought a gift, you can place it in the box on your way out. Uh, go today in the grace and in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>